Good morning, Mosaic. Thanks for joining us for our online service. I'm so glad that you decided to take some time out of your day to join us. My hope and my desire is that your faith would be encouraged, that you would see how God is moving in your life as we dive into this new series on the Holy Spirit over these next couple of weeks. Sometimes I feel a little bad for the Holy Spirit. I think he's the least understood, least talked about member of the Trinity. We like to talk about the Father's great love for us, about Jesus dying on the cross for our sins and then rising three days later. In fact, we just celebrated that on Easter last Sunday. But oftentimes we ignore what we don't understand. And I think a lot of us, we don't really understand the Holy Spirit. And for a lot of Christians, we fall into one of two camps. Either we are obsessed with the Holy Spirit and the mystical gifts and we can obsess over him and we chase after this emotional feelings that we get through worship. And a lot of times, maybe that's we're just chasing emotionalism, not actually the Holy Spirit. You know, it's like that college student who says, oh, I was gonna ask out Rachel, I wasn't sure about it, I prayed about it, but then I saw a billboard that was blue and her eyes are blue, so that must be a sign from the Holy Spirit that I'm supposed to ask her on a date and we're gonna get married, have lots of kids and be happily ever after. Or I think for a lot of Christians, they relate to the Holy Spirit in the way that I relate to my spleen. I'm so glad that it's there. I know it does something, but the reality is I don't really relate to it in any personal way. I don't want to lose it, but I don't really understand what it does. I'm just glad that it's there. For those Christians, they relate to the Spirit not as a person, but more as a theory. But Jesus made the most astounding claim when talking about the Holy Spirit. He said, it's good for me to go away. It's good that after I die on the cross and rise again, I'm going to ascend to the Father and leave you. It's good because then I'm going to send the Helper, the Holy Spirit. Why would Jesus say that? Why would Jesus say it's good for him to go away? Well, I think Jesus is trying to tell us that the only thing better than Jesus beside us is the Holy Spirit inside of us. The only thing better than having Jesus walk the earth with us is the Holy Spirit inside of us. Here's what Jesus says to his disciples in John 14. He says, These things I've spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. John 16, 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Why would Jesus say, it's to your advantage that I go away? Because the only thing better than Jesus physically in the flesh, walking the earth beside us, is the Holy Spirit inside of us. One week after Kristen and I got married, we packed up all our lives and we moved out to Colorado where I started a new job at a church out there. And when we moved to Colorado, I'd never lived anywhere else besides from Minnesota. So I told Kristen, hey, we got to do all the Colorado stuff. Not just some of the cool Colorado stuff, but we got to do all the Colorado stuff. Can you say Enneagram 3? Got to check all those things off my list. And in the six years we lived there, we did do a lot of really cool Colorado experiences. We went to, you know, Avalanche games and Rockies games and Nuggets games and Broncos games. We went to uh, Greeley's 4th of July Rodeo, which is the world's largest 4th of July Rodeo. We ran the Boulder Boulder 10K. 
We went to the Denver Gardens, took in some amazing concerts at Red Rocks, which is the world's greatest outdoor concert venue. I went to dueling piano bars, went to Buffalo Bill's grave, whitewater rafting, camping in the mountains, downhill skiing, uh, in the beautiful uh, skiing that Colorado has. We did so many things that Colorado has to offer. And then one day I told Kristen, hey, we've been doing all these really great experiences and I see these mountains off in the distance, but what we have to do is we gotta conquer one of those 14ers. Now, if you don't know what a 14er, that's okay. That's kind of Colorado lingo. What a 14er is, it's a 14,000 foot mountain. And Colorado has a bunch of them. Now, for reference, the tallest point in Minnesota is Eagle Mountain up north at 2,301 feet tall. I love that one feet. 2,301 feet tall. These are seven times taller than the highest point in Minnesota. And I said, we gotta conquer one of these mountains. So we did our research, we figured out Mount Bierstadt, it's a good one to start at. So we got ready and spent a whole day Saturday, it about, takes about eight hours. We climbed to the top and it was amazing. We conquered a mountain. Well, the next summer I said, Kristen, the only thing better than conquering one mountain is conquering two mountains in one day. See, there's a set of mountains called Grays and Torrey's Peaks that you can ascend Grays and then you descend about a thousand feet and then you go back up to Torrey's and you can conquer two mountains in one day. So I said, we've got to do this. So we got some other friends from our church who were crazy enough to accomplish two mountains in one day. And we were prepping and training and I was in a lot better shape back then than I am today. And finally, the Saturday arrived that we were ready to climb this mountain. Well, leading up to this Saturday, I hadn't been feeling very great. I had a little lingering cough and I woke up that morning with a scratchy throat. I was coughing and I was just feeling a little under the weather. But I thought, hey, I got this. I can still do this. Well, as we started climbing, I started to see some spots in the corner of my vision. And as we got higher and higher, and this is the middle of summer, but there's still snow on the top of those peaks. And I looked down at the snow and I was like, the snow looks pink. I was like, Kristen, does the snow look pink to you? And she's like, no, you're crazy. And so finally we made our way up to the top of the mountain. And I laid down and I was exhausted and I was panting. I was like, why do I feel so powerless? Why do I feel so weak? I hate feeling weak. I hate feeling powerless. She's like, come on, you big baby, let's go get the next one done. So we descended down and back up to the next mountain peak and I was even feeling more powerless then and, and more out of breath and I could not breathe. I mean, there's not much oxygen up at 14,000 feet. And finally we descended. Well, the next day, I still was just feeling awful and my lungs were feeling terrible and I was coughing. So I went to the doctor. The doctor said, hey, you have bronchitis and that was kind of dumb because really you could have died climbing those mountains. Don't climb any more mountains with bronchitis. And I have kept that promise. No more mountain climbing for me. But the reality is I hated feeling powerless. I hated that feeling of why can't I do this? What is going on? And I think so many of us right now, we feel powerless. We don't know when this global pandemic is gonna end. We're not sure what the future is gonna look like. We don't know, are our kids going back to school? Are we gonna be doing church online for the next couple weeks or next couple months? What does the future look like? Some of you, you've lost jobs. Some of you, you've had to take pay cuts. Some of you are just dealing with the reality of kidney stones or, or broken legs or sprained ankles. And you're like, man, I feel so powerless and I hate feeling powerless. Well, the good news is that 
we aren't the only ones to experience this. Jesus knew that we would go through times like this where we would feel powerless, where we'd feel uncertain. And that's why he said, it's good for me to go so that I can send you a helper. Jesus, in some of his last instructions, told his disciples that he was going to send them the Holy Spirit and they would receive power. And see, we need to pay attention to people's final words, especially people who predicted their death, burial, and resurrection, because their final words are very, very important. And Jesus, right before he ascends back up into heaven, he looks at his disciples in Acts 1.8 and he says, but you will receive power. Right there in your living room, say power. You will receive power from the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus told his followers, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. See, the mark of a follower of Jesus who's been filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit is a life of spiritual authority and power. See, Jesus' life and his power are not just to be admired, but Jesus wants you and I to experience what he experienced. See, someone who's not a follower of Christ, they can look at the life of Jesus and, and admire him. Man, he's someone who, who always said yes to God, who said no to sin, who as a single man in his 30s was never inappropriate with a woman. He was strong. He was courageous. He was kind. He was compassionate. He was generous. He's the kind of person that I want to be. But someone who's not walking with Jesus, someone who has not been filled with the Holy Spirit, they can admire that, but they can't experience it. And so my desire for you is, number one, that you bow the knee to Jesus. That you say, I want to not just admire the kind of life that Jesus had. I don't just want to kind of be like Jesus, but I want to experience the same life that he did. And Jesus says, I'm giving you my Holy Spirit, that the same power that raised Christ from the dead can be inside you today. Jesus doesn't want you just to admire his life. He wants you to experience his life through the power, the presence, and the person of the Holy Spirit. There was a Swedish chemist many years ago, and he discovered this substance that was quite explosive, quite powerful, and he needed to, to name it, because once you discover something, you get to name it. So he called up his friend and said, hey, what's the Greek word for power? And his friend said, it's dunamis. And so he named this substance dynamite. That word dunamis is the same word that Jesus uses with his disciples. You shall receive dunamis when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall receive dynamite. See, when the Holy Spirit shows up in your life, boom, things happen, right? When someone's using dynamite and dynamite goes off, you don't have to ask, was that dynamite? I'm, I'm not really sure. It's like, boom, it's, it's explosive. Things are changing. The same is true in the life of a believer who has been filled with the Holy Spirit, with a church that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. You don't have to ask, is the Holy Spirit there? It's like, no, lives are being changed. People... They're experiencing life change through teaching, through worship, through fellowship. That's what we want for each and every one of us. We want that same God-given power. Why? Well, here in Mosaic, we like to say we're all about Jesus. We believe that Jesus changes everything, that Jesus can change whatever is going on in your life. It doesn't matter what's been done to you. It doesn't matter what you've done. Jesus can change your life. And we tell people, man, what's the disciple? 
we're all about making disciples. A disciple is someone who, who wants to be like Jesus, to do the things that Jesus do, did, to know the things that Jesus did, and to be like Jesus, to know Jesus, to do the things that Jesus did. We can't do that on our own strength. The only way we can be like Jesus is through the power and the presence and the person of the Holy Spirit. And so we aren't gonna be afraid about talking about the Holy Spirit. We aren't gonna be afraid about inviting the Holy Spirit into our lives so that we can have a life that looks like Jesus. It's not about just chasing after power or spiritual experiences for that sake. It's not just about, hey, I want to know my spiritual gifts so that I can use them. It's no, I want to be more like Jesus. I want to experience the peace that only comes through the Holy Spirit indwelling my life. I want to experience that same resurrection power that raised Christ from the dead, that enabled Jesus to live the life that we aspire to live so that we can be in the family of God, that we can be carriers of hope and peace and love and joy. We know this virus is very contagious. We know that it can spread, but what else can spread is hope. And the only way that we are gonna be carriers of hope is if we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. My desire for you as we study the Holy Spirit these next couple weeks, is that you come with an open mind, that you come ready to open yourselves up to him in a brand new way. Whether you've been a follower of Jesus for 40 years or four days, our desire is that you would know the Holy Spirit in a deeper way at the end of this series than when we started. Imagine what our families would look like if at the end of this quarantine time, we emerged more empowered by the Holy Spirit. Imagine how different our communities would look if we emerged from this time ready to be to spread the message of hope and love and joy. Imagine how different our church would look if each of us sought after the Holy Spirit to be filled and empowered and to not pursue Christ on our own strength, but to pursue that relationship empowered by the Holy Spirit. I think our lives would be different, our families would look different, our communities, our church. So what we're gonna do now is we're gonna move into a time of worship. I'd love to encourage you not to turn off uh, our, our service, but to actually engage with the Holy Spirit during these next couple songs. To say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Holy Spirit, let me become more and more aware of your presence in my life. So would you join me in prayer right now? Before we move to a time of worship, we're just gonna invite the Holy Spirit to come into our living rooms, our kitchens, our bedrooms, wherever you're watching right now and to say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Jesus dying on the cross for our sins and then rising again. We thank you that you sent your spirit into our world so that we could not just admire the life of Jesus, but that we could experience it. So God, my prayer is for each and every one of us, wherever we're watching online, God, that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit. God, that they would be carriers of hope and love and joy. God, that we would not try to do this on our own strength, but we would do life empowered by your Spirit. So Spirit, come now. Breathe inside of us. 
change us, renew us. God, this week, as we take out the trash, as we cook meals, as we rock babies, as we work from home and school our children and take walks outside, Lord, be the breath in our lungs. Be the, the power inside of us that allows us to live the life that you designed us to live. So Jesus, we pray. We pray that you would send your spirit right now into us, into each and every one of us, in a new and powerful way. Amen. Now, wherever you are, I want to encourage you to engage in worship. Lift your hands. Sing out loud. It may feel a little funny in your own homes, but we are gathered together separately in our homes. But we're coming now to engage the spirit to praise the name of Jesus and to say, Father, you are the thing that we are pointing our minds and our hearts and our attention towards. So let us now worship in spirit and in truth.